Hi there! Welcome to the second ever episode of New Japan Watch, where I watch all of the New Japan Pro Wrestling pay, uh, pay-per-views, I guess it's called, from Wrestle Kingdom 7, which was in January 2013, uh, through to either the modern day or the most recent Wrestle Kingdom. I haven't decided which yet. So, this week we are talking about New Beginning 2013. This took place on February 10th, 2013. Uh, what did I say? Did I say 2013 the first time? Anyway. New Beginning 2013 took place February 10th, 2013. So, um, this show uh, has just happened. The New Beginning show in 2017 uh, has, has has just gone by. It was a pretty really good show. And um, it's kind of a, it's a bit of a tone down from Wrestle Kingdom. You go from your, your biggest show of the year um, to a lower end show. And like we're seeing here, um, there's only one, well, there's a couple title defenses, but the, the Intercontinental title, Nakamura's title is not being defended. Um, the Never title is not being defended. Um, so there's only one, there's the one big title match and the two tag title matches. So it's it's a lower end zone. And then again, the challengers are not necessarily top guys, especially in the case of the main event match um, this year. But we're going to go through the card match by match and we're going to see where everybody's going. So, first up on the card, the junior heavyweight tag title match um, between the champions Kushida and Alex Shelley, uh, defending against Rocky Romero and Alex Kozlov. Now, Kushida, uh, now in modern day, is the ace of the junior heavy, of the junior division. He is an absolutely fantastic wrestler. He's not currently the champion. He lost the junior heavyweight singles title at uh, this past Wrestle Kingdom, Wrestle Kingdom 11. Um but he is considered to be uh, the, the the star the star of that division, uh, along with some others, uh, um, Takahashi, uh, Will Ospreay, you know, people of that nature. But um, back then, he was a member of a tag team called Time Splitters. They're the junior heavyweight tag team tag champs. Yeah, his other member, uh, his his partner Alex Shelley, is a member of the Motor City Machine Guns. So he has that going on. Challengers Rocky Romero now. The current junior heavyweight tag team champions with his partner Trent Beretta as uh, Rapongi Vice, uh, his partner this time with Alex Kozlov, a comedy Russian whose gimmick was that he was Russian. Um, the match opens with Kozlov singing the Russian anthem, and all the entire crowd is in, is is completely silent and incredibly respectful while Kozlov sings absolutely terribly. And it's actually funny that I, I recognize it. I, I could have picked up from context there was the Russian national anthem, but I I knew it for sure because we had just done. Uh, if you listen to, I'm hoping you also listen to our main show, Hops and Elbow Drops. That's the the channel that we're on at the moment. But on this week's Hops and Elbow Drops episode, uh, we talked about Rusev and John Cena, and and of course Rusev at WrestleMania 31 came out to the Russian national national anthem, and so because of that, I was able to recognize this as the Russian national anthem, even though. It was performed extremely poorly by uh, Alex Kozlov. Oh, also, I have written down here in my notes, uh, Alex Shelley's haircut is a fucking crime. So there's that. Um, yeah, it's like one of those like uh, kind of blonde swoosh on top with black sides. It's atrocious. It looks like it belongs in, like, I don't know, 2007 or something. I've noticed that the Japanese haircuts were... Our, our styles seem to be a little bit behind the West, but who knows? Maybe this will be back and they're actually ahead. Oh, God forbid. Anyway, um, so 
early on, it, it starts off kind of slow, uh, Kozlov and Romero kind of controlling. They do this this spot that I, I think I've seen Kozlov wrestle a lot of the time. He did this spot then, too, where he had, I believe it was Rocky Romero knocked down, and he puts on the stereotypical Russian hat with the, you know, the earmuffs up high and all that stuff. He does, like, the Russian line dance thing where he's kicking up his legs, and he uh, when he kicks up his legs, he kicks uh, Romero, or, he, or not Romero, he kicks uh, Kushida in the face. Yeah, sorry, did I say Rocky Romero down? Rocky Romero is his partner. He had either Kushida or Alex Shelley down. Anyway, so they did that. Um, they do a whole bunch of big double-team stuff to Kushida. He kicks out of them. The crowd's getting into it. Um, they, this is really like what I like to see in my junior heavyweight matches. I mean, this wasn't a world beater. It's not the best match in the world, but got the crowd going. You had lots of cool, like double team chemistry kind of moves, um, crazy flippy shit. This would be brought to, I think what kind of, I mean, the junior heavyweight title flies all over the place nowadays. So that's a bit of a problem with the division. But as far as I'm concerned, like peak of junior heavyweight tag titles, is gotta be um, modern day Ricochet and Matt Seidel against uh, Rapongi Vice, uh, Trent Beretta, and Rocky Romero. And man, those matches are out of sight. And this, this is not quite at that level, but it is a very uh, fun. And when it's fast paced, it's even more fun. Uh, I think the kind of like I think Kozlov is by far the weakest link in this match. The other three guys can really go, and he is kind of, eh, you know, he's not the best wrestler in the world. Maybe I'll just say that. Oh man, I have here Kushida hit a crazy top rope black top rope backflip spin thing for the win, and it ruled. So there you go. Um, Kushida and Alex Shelley defend their junior heavyweight tag team championships. I gave this about three and three quarter. Dave gave it three and a quarter. I always guess I was feeling a little bit more generous than Dave, but this was a great uh, little match to start the show. Nothing too exciting, but it was it was a fun little match. Uh, I should mention that there was actually a match before this that I did not watch because it was not on the New Japan um, network. Uh, it's not on New Japan World, which, by the way, I don't know if I mentioned this. Everything I'm going to be watching is on New Japan World um, and JPWWorld.com. Uh, if you use Chrome, it's it's the website's all in Japanese, but if you use Chrome, it's very, very easy to sign up because of the translate features. You can also search on Reddit. They have a couple of instructional um, things set up to show what each box uh, means, because some of the boxes where you have to input credit card numbers and stuff don't translate properly. Um, it's pretty straightforward though, uh, not too difficult. It costs a like, I believe it's like less than $10 American. It's a little bit more than 10 in Canadian, which is where I'm from, so that's what that is. Anyway, getting off track. Next up, the junior title. Uh, I have your Balor, but of course I don't know who that could be. It's Prince Devitt defending his junior heavyweight title against Takaguchi. And so, um, I didn't mention for the last match, but for the junior heavyweight, the previous match, the junior heavyweight tag title match, none of those guys wrestle on Wrestle Kingdom that I saw. Maybe in the pre-show, but I didn't watch that. Uh, we know we have most recently seen Prince Devitt defending his junior heavyweight title in that amazing triple threat match uh, from Wrestle Kingdom. He, he had defended against uh, Loki and Kota Ibushi. Takaguchi uh, was not on that show that I saw. He, again, he may have been on the pre-show. Uh, I believe that um, Debit and, and Taraguchi are former tag team partners. Uh, the commentary I've been listening, I've had the Japanese because that's all that's available, so I don't, I don't really know all this stuff for sure. This is just stuff I have known. Uh, I know from just hearing various things from people who have followed New Japan for longer than I have. So uh, that's all I have to say about that. Yeah. So. They do have a little handshake at the beginning. It's very res respectful. 
Um, they start with a bit of wrestling. It's very sportsmanlike. Balor seemed to be just like, you know, more confident. He seemed to have more control. Takaguchi was a little, a little shy, a little, um, um, didn't look like he was very sure of himself. They, uh, they, they build up over time. Um, let's see here. Uh, Balor had, like I said, Balor had control early and then it switched over. Takaguchi worked over, um, uh, Balor's arms. Uh, he almost wins with a fluke roll-up where they did like a series of roll-ups never quite were long enough for the ref to count a pin, but and then eventually Taka got the advantage and got a two. Um, then he hits a reverse powerbomb, so like he powerbombs onto his face, and that was a two. Um, he went for a, a top rope reverse powerbomb, which would be crazy, You're dropping someone on their face from the top rope. But... Um, it got countered into a, uh, a Devitt superplex, and then he hit a stomp, and there was a kick out. Uh, and then Taguchi kicks out of another big move. Uh, I have here a pile, a pile driver of some kind. I, I actually watched the first three matches uh, yesterday, uh, and I was just too tired to watch the rest of the, the show. So my notes are all I have to go on, but that was, yeah, he, he hit a pile driver of some sort, and uh, Devitt, I almost said Balor, whew. Devitt uh, got the pin and successfully defended his uh, junior heavyweight title. I gave this four stars. Dave gave it three and, a, three and three quarters. Uh, it's a solid little match. Not Devitt's best title defense. Uh, obviously, the run for Wrestle Kingdom was a lot better, but they did have a nice little story with um, the former tag team partners facing off for the title. Next up, uh, the tag titles, heavyweight tag titles. Uh, Killer Elite Squad, that is Lance Archer and David Smith, accompanied by... Uh, Takama Hinoku, members of Suzuki Gun, uh, are the tag team champions, or, or just Lance Archer and uh, Davy Boy, anyway. Uh, they are being challenged by Tenzan and Kojima. Um, so last we saw these guys, Kill Elite Squad, were defending their tag titles against Goto and Carl Anderson. Tenzan and Kojima were victorious over a couple of super old dudes. Uh, it was Keiji Muto and someone Otani. Uh, apparently that guy was a really big deal back in the day for New Japan. Had a bunch of five Dave Meltzer five star rated matches. Uh, not someone that I am super familiar with because I have not watched a lot of '90s New Japan stuff. So uh, that's the reason for that. I'm gonna be honest with you guys. This is the match where I kind of passed out a little bit. Um, it's all blur. It um, the crowd was very very into the two Japanese guys, Tenzin and Kojima, which fair is fair. You know they they're the vets. They're very popular and they are uh, very fun guys to watch. Um, do a lot of um, strong style stuff. You have Mick Taka doing the Suzuki gun thing, interfering on the sidelines. Um, yeah, all that's really all I have here. Like I said, this match was a blur and I was kind of passing out, but it was all right. Um, Kill Elite Squad hit their double finish. Uh, I gave this three and a half. Dave gave it three and a half, so there you go. Um, I think I find that uh, Kill Elite Squad, um, they can be really good at times, and I like some of their moves that they do, but overall their matches are kind of boring. Uh, not like like dreadful boring, but like like I don't think I'm not expecting to give them like a four or four and a half or higher star match anytime soon. You know what I mean? Like I I really feel like they're kind of a three to three and three quarter permanent level guys, but they're not usually gonna have a terrible match. But they're almost never gonna have a great match. I mean, hey, lots of time to be proven wrong. Um, Zuigan aren't gonna go on their sojourn until early 2015, so. You know they've got they got two years to to impress me, and also of course they're still 
Well, in the modern day, uh, Lance Archer just hurt himself, um, which they were probably on track to win the titles again, having just returned from their, their sojourn to pro wrestling Noah with the rest of Suzuki gun. Um, anyway, moving right along. Next up we had, uh, Yujiro, uh, Tanahashi or Takahashi. I'm not sure what his last name is exactly. Um, versus, uh, Makabe. Now, um, this was literally just a pro wrestling match. This was about as basic as you can get. You got the sneaky little guy, Yujiro, against the uh, crazy, tough-ass, tough-as-nails, big guy, Makabe. Yujiro dominated early. Makabe hulked up. Uh, so, like, you know, Yujiro would hit him, and he would go, ah, give me more, and he would, like, stand up and stand up and no-sell and no-sell. Uh, Makabe then just, like, beat the shit on him for a bit. They traded big moves and near falls. Uh, and then Makabe... Uh, hit a couple of big things. I'm trying to hit a big uh, clothesline and some sort of top rope move and just give it the pin. I gave it three stars because I thought, eh, you know, basic pro wrestling match. Dave only gave it two and a quarter, so he was not super impressed. But I think two is, like, good. Three is, like, two is okay. Below two is bad. Two is okay. Three is good. Four is very good. And five is obviously incredible, like, match of the year level match. Even four and a half or four and three quarters match of the year level, but that's just the level. That's just the amount of good matches you can have. Is you can throw three different levels of match, like delineations that are all kind of, you know, in the match of the year conversation. In four and a half, four and three quarter, and five. Next up, we have Shibata and Sakuraba, the two MMA background guys, versus Wataru Inu and Goto. Um, so apparently Goto and Shibata are childhood friends. I know after this, at some point, they do become uh, a tag team. And they hold the tag belts at some point. Uh, but apparently they're also childhood friends, according to Meltzer and the Observer. Um, Goto and Shibata absolutely beat the shit out of each other at the start of the match. Um, Shibata managed to get Goto back into uh, his Shibata, him and Sakuraba's corner. Uh, and they used that to take advantage. He tagged in Sakuraba, who absolutely... And they just kicked the, together, the two, and just absolutely kicked the shit out of Goto for a little while. Um, eventually, uh, Sakura managed to switch out, um, to, to Inu, uh, and Sakura beats him up and Shibata gets in and Inu manages to get an advantage over Shibata for like a minute. He tags in Goto, who's really eager to get at Shibata. He runs, Goto runs wild, beats up Shibata for a bit. Um, uh, uh, Goto's running wild, ends up stopping. He go when he goes for a PK, which is Shibata's finisher on Goto. Uh, he, yeah, so Goto's PK is caught by Shibata. Then Shibata hits Goto with his PK. Um, there, there was a he get, uh, Shibata gets a long sleeper on Goto, which is broken up by Inu. There's complete total fucking mayhem for a little bit, uh, ending with Sakuraba getting a pin on Inu. I gave this four stars. I really enjoyed it. The crowd had really gotten into it more than any match so far this night. Uh, Dave only gave it three and a quarter. He didn't really like the ending. Felt like it came out of nowhere, which uh, is fair enough. Um, going to go back over for a second just talk about what these guys were doing last time this is kind of like just a busy ma busy make make busy match you know like give them something to do fill up the card although it was very good um shibata had just lost to makabe at the previous show uh with an endo title match sakuraba had lost nakamura in a match for the intercontinental title inu i have never seen before ever i have no idea who the hell this guy is um and goto was in the tag title match against Killer Elite Squad with Carl Anderson, and they lost, of course. That was that match. Uh, yeah, 
I guess the explanation for me giving it four stars over Dave's three and a quarter was that I'm a really big fan of Shibata, and from the little bit I've seen of Sakuraba, I really like him too. He seems like he's a little bit more versatile. He's got more stuff he can do than Shibata, whereas Shibata is... Shibata does a few things, and he does those few things incredibly well. Sakuraba seems to be able to have a little bit wider moveset and, and more wider range of, of submissions kind of stuff that he goes to more regularly. So he's a bit more... I guess more complex, more interesting. He can tell more complicated matches, but uh, it doesn't mean I like him more than Shibata, who I just, I adore Shibata. Anyway, so I think I just, because I like those guys so much, and because it was like, I was really feeling the crowd in this match, uh, I gave it a little bit higher rating than Dave did there. Next up, Nakamura versus Kengo Mashimo. Nakamura obviously successfully defended his Intercontinental title in at uh, Wrestle Kingdom against uh, Sakuraba, as we just discussed. Mashimo apparently is a member of Losing, uh, not Losing the Devils. They're not around yet. Uh, he's a member of uh, Suzuki Gun, and I fuck, I've never seen this guy before. He's not in Suzuki Gun now, as far as I can tell. I don't know what his deal is. Uh, I mean, this match kind of it was it was kind of interesting. It went back and forth. Mashimo was in control for for most of the match. The crowd really never really got into it. Like, what are the big spots here? Um, Nakamura went for the Bomboye, but he got caught in the face by Mashimo's knee. Um, there were a lot of submission spots, uh, and Nakamura's arm got beat up pretty bad. Uh, Mashimo had a lot of stiff kicks. Eventually, Nakamura just hit the uh, not the Kinshasa, the Bomboye knee. And that was it. I gave it three and a half. I honestly, considering how little I cared about this match, that's probably too high. Uh, Dave gave it two and three quarter. Uh, and not that I'm just like cowtowing whatever Dave says. The only there's a reason that I give my ratings first because um, I did them without looking at Dave's. They're, they are based on my own opinion. Um, but I think I just put that higher than I should, which is a bad habit I want to break. I think I, I just rate things just higher in general. Need to use the whole scale a little bit more, but yeah, this was a match. It wasn't terrible, it wasn't great, or even like that, anything special. Uh, the interesting part was at the end of the match, um, Killer Elite Squad showed up, and we uh, Lance Archer laid down a challenge for Nakamura. Next up, Minoru Suzuki versus Kazuchika Okada. So at Wrestle Kingdom, Suzuki. Uh, Shit, I don't remember if he won or lost, but I know he was in an awesome match with Yuri Nagata. Um, guessing, I thought he lost, but Nagata wasn't on this show and he was, so who knows. Oh, wait, Nagata was on the first match that I didn't get to see. Anyway, Minoru Suzuki was in that ma great match with Nagata. Okada, of course, main evented uh, against Tanahashi and lost in the title match. Uh, they started nice and slow. They're trading uh, arm holds. Okada, the, the story early on was that Okada would get a little advantage and he would like kind of boast and then like the vet Suzuki would like kick him in the face the first time. Uh, Okada like brushed, you know, like uh, Okada tried to like do the Rainmaker pose and then uh, Suzuki kicked him in the face and Okada came back, uh, kicked him in the face, knocked him out of the ring or knocked him onto the apron and then like did the Rainmaker pose again. When he went over to Suzuki, Suzuki trapped him in a, an arm bar over the ropes Dragged him out of the ring, beat the crap out of him outside. There's a ref distraction, which uh, Suzuki's uh, accompaniment, uh, Taichi, used to choke out um, Okada with a crutch. 
Suzuki, I, I noticed he did, he looked kind of exhausted, like he didn't have an, as much in the tank as he does nowadays. I, I think probably he's feeling a lot fresher right now because he's just come back to, to New Japan after two years in NOAA. Um, in NOAA, they kind of made him a mid-carder towards the end, where and he's coming back as a main eventer, feuding with the top guy in the company. So I think he's a lot more energized in present day than he was back then. But he's still having good matches in 2013, and considering... In 2014, he has a match that many people would consider to be the match of the year for 2014. Um, I'm not expecting that to change. Okada um, calls to the Rainmaker. Uh, can't get it. Okada, he, there was this great spot where, where he throws Suzuki in the ropes and goes for a super high drop kick. And Suzuki just catches the ropes and, and Okada just jumps straight up in the air and then falls straight down on his back with no one anywhere near him. Uh, Okada puts him in a sleeper. They do this long segment where, uh, or excuse me, Suzuki puts Okada in a sleeper. There's a long bit where, where Okada's trying to hulk up out of the sleeper, but like Suzuki will tighten it and tighten it. In the end, um, he gets Suzuki knocks Okada down with the sleeper. He goes for a pile, pile driver, but instead um, Okada picks him up into a Death Valley driver, nails him, and then hits like, I call it an AA. It wasn't quite an AA, but it's pretty close to John Cena's finisher. Um, then Suzuki puts an arm bar on him. Uh, he goes to the pile driver again. Okada this time counters it into a figure four or something very close to or close to a figure four, a leg lock of some sort. Um, let's see. Then oh yes, Taichi uh, has a distraction. Let's let Suzuki get the sleeper. Okada manages to fight out of the sleeper. Um, then Suzuki just fucking slaps the shit out of him. Okada hits a drop kick. Um, he goes for the Rainmaker, but like, so Okada's going to wrap it up, right? To go to the Rainmaker, he throws him out, which he does to set up the Rainmaker Lariat. And when he throws out Suzuki, Suzuki just winds up and punches him right in the fucking face. It was pretty legit. Um, Suzuki hits his pile driver and wins. I gave it four and a half. Dave gave it four and a quarter. It's not quite a match of the year caliber, but it's a damn good match. Uh, if you're going to watch... If you're going to watch more than one match from this show, this would 100% be the second one. Um, there's really, if you're not going to watch the whole show just for posterity's sake, there are only two matches worth watching on this, and they're the, like, two matches really, like, if you're going to pick out the very best, there's, there's an obvious one and two, and then everything else is a step below. Uh, and that's uh, this match, and, of course, the next match we're going to talk about. The main event on the show, the IWGP Heavyweight Championship, Tanahashi defending against Carl Anderson. Uh, it's very interesting that Anderson got this match because he's, according to Dave, I looked this up, um, he's being sort of the weaker guy in his tag team with Goto. And kind of a, he's been having like losing a lot of matches in his singles career before that. But the reason he gets this title match is because Tanahashi, um, he beat Tanahashi in the G1. And so there's this thing in Japan that's really interesting is that they do this big G1 singles tournament where all sorts of guys get victories over all sorts of guys. And like getting beat by someone isn't the end of the world because it's not an elimination tournament. So you can have top guys lose to lower guys to build the lower guy without it costing anything story-wise for the top guy. And then, of course, if you beat the champion in the singles tournament, you obviously get a title match eventually down the road in theory. And so it's a really, really great way to give a story reason for a lower card guy to have a, a singles match with the, the top guy in the company without it seeming forced. Um, and so that's what they did here. Um, I, I just think it's such a great idea. 
And so Anderson gets this title match, uh, and the crowd fucking loves Carl Anderson. Like, from the very beginning, they're losing their shit for him. Um, they start off with kind of how Okada and Suzuki started with a lot of holds, except at a much faster click. They're really, they're really starting off kind of not necessarily too fast because they're mostly just doing holds, but they're moving faster. They're grappling with each other faster. Tanahashi starts off working over Anderson's knee. Um, the first big, real big move is um, Tanahashi's on the other side, on the outside of the ropes, on the apron. Um, Anderson hits his gun stun, which is a Stone Cold stunner, um, so that oh, across the ropes, so Tanahashi catches his neck on the ropes, falls out of the ring. It's a pretty great spot. Anderson uh, leaves the ring, like beats up on uh, Tanahashi for a little bit, does another gun stun the same kind of way, except this time it's over one of the metal barricades instead. That looked pretty brutal. They do a spot where Anderson is waiting to try and get Tanahashi counted out. Tanahashi makes it in around 14, 15-ish. Um, let's see here. Next up is this man. If you go to our, our Twitter account, at Hops and Drops, you can see we tweeted a gif of this a while back. Um, Anderson hits this spine buster that has got such height and such force, and the face Tanahashi makes when he's in midair, like he's like, oh, fuck, and it looks really good. Um, Tanahashi kicks out, and then Anderson hits a whole bunch of other stuff, and Tanahashi kicks out, and this, I was going like, fuck yeah, like, I was feeling this match. This was really, really good. Um, Tana gets back into this match, we're taking advantage of the knee, which he'd worked over at the beginning, which is great psychology. Um, Anderson's selling the knee as Tana takes advantage, he's hitting some dragon screw leg whips, gets me outside, he hits a top rope high fly floor to the outside, which, um, I assume he does this in most of his matches, because I remember him doing it in the Okada match, almost the exact same spot. Um, they get back in the ring. Anderson tries to hit a suplex uh, to the outside from the top rope. Or no, sorry. Okay, what's the spot? Anderson's on the apron, and Tanahashi's in the inside, and Anderson like is getting him up, and he's trying to hit a superplex type thing, except from the apron to the outside, basically. But he can't. Uh, Tana ends up on the apron with him, and instead, so he can't get the superplex, so instead he just fucking kicks him in the face, and it's, it looks brutal as hell. The crowd flips out. Um, Anderson hits a, uh, an F5 from the second rope, uh, kick out, and then he hits a gun, a gun stun. So his stunner off of the top rope and there's a kick out of that. So that moment I, was, I knew Anderson wasn't going to win because like, I, I don't know all of New Japan's history perfectly. Um, but I, I know enough to know that Carl Anderson has never held the IWGP heavyweight championship. Let's just, you know, so I, I knew what the outcome was going to be, but at this point, I was like, holy shit, you know, if Tana's going to kick out of the top rope um, gun stun, then, like, that's all there is to it. And for a minute, I was like, oh, well, you know what? Like, maybe, uh, I don't know if I'm feeling it after this. Like, you know, can the match really keep going too much longer after he's kicked out of that crazy of a move? It's kind of how I felt about um, the, mo the very recent Suzuki Okada match. Not the one I talked about on this podcast, but the one that just happened at New Beginning 2017. Um those of you who haven't seen it, the story of the match is that Suzuki just puts Okada in this leg bar for like, it's like half an hour of repeated, like working over the leg and different holds and all sorts of stuff. And so like Okada can barely walk by the end. But after like 15 or 20 minutes of, of leg holds and working over the leg, and um, this isn't an issue with the selling or like, I'm not saying this match was boring, even though it was all holds. It was very, very exciting, very intense because Okada's selling was excellent. Um, he really made you feel he was in pain, but after a certain point, it's like, okay, if he hasn't won now, he's not going to win. Uh, and the hole I had a bit more problem with because it was almost like, you know, if 
if you're in a hold for that long, you know, is and you're still, you haven't just lost and you haven't tapped out and you can actually, you know, your leg hasn't been twisted off, then how dangerous can the hold really be, you know? But I'm getting off topic. But the basic point I'm getting here is sometimes you get to a point in a match where someone hits a crazy thing and the person kicks out. It's like, well, if this match doesn't end right away, then like, I don't know if I'm still engaged because, you know, I don't think the person has a chance of winning after they're, they hit their craziest best shot and it's been kicked out of. This is where I swerve you by saying, that is not how I felt, ended up feeling. I thought about the feeling. I was like, oh, well, maybe I kind of felt like that for like a second. But then um, they do spots where Carl Anderson is setting up to hit uh, his gun stun again. Kanahashi um, counters out of it. Uh, he, 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 gets, he gets starting to get in his comeback. Uh, and like you're like, okay, here's where he's going to win. He goes up for the high fly flow. And then Anderson gets his knees up. And, and so Tana's knocked out. It's a wind knocked out of him. Um, Anderson's rubbing his knee because, of course, his knee has still been worked over, so it hurts when he blocks it with the knee. Anderson hits a power bomb. There's a near fall. Crowd's going wild. He hits another gigantic move, near fall, like super two count. Crowd is losing its goddamn mind. Uh, Tanahashi hits two dragon screw leg whips, which on the bad knee, which, of course, that wicked twisting on the knee, the idea is that, it's, that Anderson's in bad shape, and he like he's hurting pretty bad. Um, then Anderson like hits another big move, knocks Tana over and he's just like, then he did my favorite fucking thing. So he did the, the Randy Orton Viper, like banging his arms on the mat, calling for, well, in his case, the gun's done, but Randy would be calling for the RKO. Um, so he counters the first gun stun, just backs off. And the second one he countered into like, I forget what it was, but he just gets out of it. He hits a sling blade. Um, Anderson goes for another gun stun, which counters into his own gun stun, uh, which uh, Anderson kicks out of. Then finally, Tanahashi, after hitting the gun stun, hits a high fly flow, gets the win. I gave this five stars, debut four and three quarters. It was just like getting that point where, for me, once he kicked out of the, once Tana kicked out of the top rope gun stun, I was like, wow, you know what, this match is really good, but it's it's pretty much over now. And it was pretty much over, but it did go for like another five minutes of, of it. And they managed to rope me back in, even though, even though I didn't know for sure he wasn't, Anderson wasn't winning. And even though like, I felt like Anderson had thrown his best shot, just the way these two guys managed to convince me to feel, you know, after that point was so impressive. And I really did feel it because I kind of consigned the match to being over. And yeah, those last five minutes took it from like a very good match to like an all time great for me. I, I absolutely, this is one of my favorite matches I've ever seen. Uh, like, I don't know if it's top five or even top 10, but it's, I would, when I was like, if I'm listing out like the, my favorite matches that I've seen and I, I, I haven't seen, you know, I'm, I'm relatively new to wrestling. It's been like, I've been watching for a few years now, but, um, there's lots of great stuff out there I haven't seen. So it's not like I have an impossibly long list to get this on here, but, um, I've seen plenty of great matches in new Japan and WWE, both modern and old school. And like this, this, um, there's nothing I would say ever that is like, like head and shoulders better than this. I think this is like, there are better matches than this, but nothing that isn't in the same league as this. This is what wrestling is, should be at its best, in my opinion. So that's a hell, this is a hell of a match. I absolutely adore it. Um, for the record, this one, uh, the, the, the Tanahashi Okada match from Wrestle Kingdom 7, so the one I've already talked about, 
uh, one match of the year. And I think this was better than that for sure. Um, I'm a huge, so I lo absolutely love this match. Uh, that's pretty much all I have to say about that. So this was new beginning, um, 2013, just to quickly address, um, Big Day was talking about uh, Debit getting a title shot um, at Tonahashi next, and of course we already talked about Lance Archer being set up for the next title shot Nakamura. Um, whenever those happen, I'm not sure, but it, it seems like they are not on New Japan World. Um, I can look it up, and maybe I'll be wrong with this, but according to New Japan World, from what I've seen, the next show that's on is uh, New Japan Cup. Which and which took place over a number of days, but they only have I think the final day or last little bit. We have the two semifinal match matches, the semi the final match, and then a handful of mixed tags, or not mixed gender tags, but like you know a bunch of dudes put together tags like New Japan always does. Um, so yeah, so I'm not going to be talking about Prince Devitt uh, versus Tanahashi, and I'm not going to be talking about Lance Archer versus Nakamura. Uh, I believe Davy Boy is going to be the next one to get a shot at Nakamura uh, on. On, on the shows I will be talking about, um, in real life, Lance Archer did get a shot. Obviously, it was not successful. And Prince David, of course, did not uh, beat Tanahashi for the title either. So, yeah, that's about it. Um, next show I'll be talking about is New Japan Cup 2013. I believe just the final day. And thank you all so much for listening. Um, you can find us on my... You can find uh, the, sh the Hops and Elbow Drops Twitter is where... We'll be posting new episodes of this show as well as our main show, Hops and Elbow Drops. Find us at Hops and Drops on Twitter, Hops and Elbow Drops on Facebook. Um, if you're listening to us on iTunes, please uh, rate and review if you can. It makes a huge difference um, to us and it gets our podcast for more people. If you like this particular new show I'm doing, please let me know. Um, like it on SoundCloud. Uh, send us notifications through all the services I just mentioned. Uh, like send us... Um, if you like it or if you don't like it, just, yeah, we like to hear feedback. Uh, and it's so great to talk to you all. I'll see you again very soon. Bye for now.